You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Well, my very warmest greetings to you everywhere you are. It kind of feels like Groundhog Day has come in April, and we've got six more days, I don't know, of winter. Uh, but we want to just say thank you wherever you're listening. Uh, if you're a college student listening in your dorm, if you're a couple of retired people watching on YouTube, we are glad that you are here. And to all of us gathered here, what a delight to see you. Seeing more and more folks come out, make their way out among society, and it's great to be able to worship God with you. Now, on these Sundays, in this series of whatever you want, I almost feel like I need to get some kind of a leather snakeskin suit to dress up in. Like maybe I'm going to be selling some new energy drink out of the back of my car or something. To promise you that you could get whatever you want is a promise that's bigger than what I want to make. But I am teaching you how to get whatever you want. I mean, that, that is the path that we are on. It's just to give you a little review of what we've been doing. We have been, uh, last week, pulled out some cards. And you might hopefully have your cards with you. You're going to need them today. Cards where you're writing down and listing the things that you want. All of them. No thing being left off of this list. Maybe even beginning to think about what reaches to the top of that list. And we looked last week at Jesus coming to a man who couldn't see and asking that man, what do you want me to do for you? And that's the question that we're trying to hear Jesus ask of us and be able to answer and to be able to identify what it is that we want. Because it takes articulating what we want as a first step. Last week and this week really has us focused in on vision. Vision. Being able to identify what we want and, and ask for it be able to evaluate whether or not that's something that's good that we should be involved in, or maybe something that we want to rank a little lower on our list. We're all pursuing things. We're all pursuing many things. And we're either making progress towards those things, or we're stepping away from them and regressing away from those things. All of that progress or regression takes place, at least initially, at the level of vision, our ability to see what we want. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I happened to be looking back through my journals and stumbled across something that I wanted. Something 15 years ago when the kids were small that I just kind of got enamored with for a period of time. I really wanted, and this, this just doesn't fit me, but I really wanted a sports car. There was this car called the Chrysler Crossfire. It was only manufactured for about four years that I just loved. It had kind of a cheesy spoiler that popped up, but, but it was a great car. And so I, I began talking about it a lot more with the family, mentioning this Chrysler Crossfire. And Donna's like, oh, of course, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We have two little kids for a two-door sports coupe. Yeah, sure, because she was thinking, Let's get an SUV, let's get a minivan to surround our young ones in. And I'm like, oh no, we need to wait until they're bigger. Be practical. We're easy to rationalize, aren't we, on what we want. But I kept with this, crossfire, you know, that, that would be a pretty good outreach, right? If your minister 
drove a sports car that would open up some conversations, right? And, and Crossfire, surely even that name, there's something I could do with that, Cross and Fire. Well, this car, what drew me to it is that it was a sports car you could get on a budget. It actually has the name Chrysler in it, but it's actually a Mercedes-Benz SLK, manufactured in Germany, uh, shares like 85% of the parts of the SLK, but wrapped up in a body that was made to sell here and sell less expensive. So rationalizing takes place in my mind about what this could look like. Well, I don't know what's on your want list, but that was one that I happened to run across just in the last week or so that I had been looking at many years back. Sometimes the things that are on our list are a little odd, a little crazy, maybe even embarrassing, so much so that we wouldn't want to write it on that list. But I want to start today by front-loading where we're going and give you the refrain that I want to unpack for us today. We become what we desire. We become the things that we desire. Now, I don't mean that I'm going to turn into a crossfire. I'm not going to turn into that sports car. But the orientation of my life, if it's focused in on those desires, will shape and form who I am. In some ways, you might think of this as a spirituality. Now, I don't care whether you're a Christian or a not, not a Christian, irreligious or very religious, you have a spirituality. And our, our desires shape and form us. In fact, if we want to think about spirituality at its most basic level, it is our relationship to whatever most matters to us. That's what spirituality is. Our relationship to what most matters to us, what's most important to us. Now, that's where, even if you're ambivalent about God or very interested in God, we are all sharing this same journey of spirituality. And it's important for us, necessary, vital for us to identify what those things are that are most important to us. Because we will become what we desire. Now, if you look at your list, you might have it with you. Maybe this is new for you this week to be thinking about what your desires are. How many of you brought your list with you? You don't have to raise your hand very high. You can just make it where I can see. That's good. And how many of you feel pretty confident about what you've got on your list? Just give me a little nod. Okay, that's good. How many of you, if you feel like you already have the top thing on your list, just give me a little thumbs up. Or if you don't have it yet, this is truly something you want, give me a thumbs down. Okay, so people are thinking about these things. That's good. Well, we're going to start by looking at uh, some old words, just a few verses. I think three is all we have stomach to digest today. Three verses from the second letter of Peter, chapter one. And if you want to, you can join me in standing today for the reading of God's word. Or if you're driving down the road, please don't stand. Just stand at attention in your heart. Second Peter, chapter one, two through four. May grace and peace be yours in abundance, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. 
His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Thus, He has given us through these precious, through these things, His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that's in the world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. The word of the Lord from 2 Peter chapter 1. Now that's a lot to chew on. This promise that's embedded in this text is a big one. A promise for God to give you everything you want for life. In fact, if you read it, what he's literally saying is to give you all things related to life and godliness. That's a significant, big kind of promise. Now, everything related to life means everything. And the tag on, the additional promise is and godliness, life and godliness, which is about becoming like God, becoming good. Well, I don't care how you slice and dice it, that is a big offer coming from God. Now, in this little path of becoming like God, there is uh, something that activates it, something that initiates it. And the activating part of this is through the knowledge of God, coming to know who God is. So it's not just about giving us what we want, but it's about actually participating in your life with God. That is an amazing, amazing offer. Now, I think the best place for us to start here, because not everyone listening is going to be all that excited about God or all that excited about maybe the things of God. And the place to start would be to look at desire. Because the promise that's embedded with this is not just about getting these good things and becoming more like God, but that we would escape from the corruption the corrosion that's in the world because of lust. That word means desire. And whenever Christians start to talk about desire, whenever preachers start to talk about desire, or Christian teachers speak about desire, we very quickly move to their being evil. In fact, in some verses, we'll just throw in uh, evil desires in various places. And I want you to hear me say, the desire is not inherently bad. All desires are not bad. In fact, it's just a word that gets at the passion or the heart that is behind the things that we want. So I want to kind of spend my time on the front end really thinking about desire here. If we're going to be able to escape the corrosive aspect of desire, we need to know a bit more about it. First off, desire is just not necessarily bad. We want things. We desire things. If I ask you what's your favorite dessert, and maybe if desserts show up on your list, you would probably be able to tell me, you know, one or two or three or four desserts, maybe even ranking them or putting them all tied, right? But if I were to ask you why do you like that dessert, that would be a pretty boring question for one, but you probably wouldn't be able to answer it. We don't know why we desire certain things. 
Why things of a certain taste or flavor we like or while we can't stand some other taste or flavor? We just like what we want. I don't know. It's just because. That's why I like it. And these things can take place in a lot of levels. I've been talking about food, but it could be colors. You are attracted to, you desire, maybe a few colors that are your preferred colors. When it comes to sexuality, there are things that attract you that might be different from someone else. And the attraction or the desire for food or colors or or sexuality is not inherently bad, even if it's a crazy food or a crazy thing that you might uh, attach to sexuality. A lot of times people tend to identify themselves by their sexuality or by their desires. And that's something that I want to talk more deeply about on another occasion, but desire is bigger than providing you an identity of who you are, okay? In fact, whenever the Christians uh, in the few hundred years after Jesus began to talk about desire, they would use a term called passion, which leads us to think about appetite or desire or drive within us. It's something that happens to you. It's not necessarily something that you've done. It's just kind of there and it's present in the air. They would point to passions like anger or jealousy or lust. If you want to get really at what you desire, not what you think you desire, what you might put on a list, pay attention today or this week to what makes you angry, what makes you livid. That's actually a pretty good spiritual exercise. The times whenever you get angry, it's a clue, it's a trigger for when your will is being frustrated or violated. And it's a clue to what you might really want or desire. Okay? Well, so we've got desire. It's not necessarily bad. It just is what it is. It's normal. Now, it's not neutral. It's, it's not without harm. But desire is just present and there. It's used to sell us things. It's used to entertain us. Our natural desires are poked and prodded to get us to spend money out of our pocket for things that we want. But desire is normal. Desire is not a good master. It's just not. In fact, desire cares nothing about what's best. What's best for you? What's best for somebody else? Desire cares nothing about what's even good good for you or good for others around you. And if we give ourselves over to desire, we are giving away control over our lives. Now you've heard me tell the story of the horse, the man riding backwards on the horse that's at a breakneck speed. He's hanging on for dear life, hanging on to this horse's rump. Somebody sees him, says, where are you going? Screams out to him. And the man says, I don't know. Ask the horse. That's exactly what it is whenever you let your desires function for your entire life as master. You are giving control over to your desire, and it's a terrible master. It will lead you towards destruction. Maybe a better contemporary example is if your car, some of you have cars with navigation system, 
if the car is totally wired around the steering wheel and around you as the driver, and it's just plugged into that navigation system, and it's set for a destination that you didn't choose and that you may not want, desire cares nothing for what's good, nothing about what's best, and it is a terrible master. As we look at our list, there might be things that are on our list, and I want you to maybe evaluate them and think about how often do I feed this want or this desire for sweets or to hit the bar or to just play and have fun? Or maybe it's a desire just to have an unlimited debit card. Whenever our desires are allowed to magnify their presence in our lives, they will control us and they will control our destiny. Children are a pretty good example of desire, pretty good paradigm. Because children just want what they want, and they want it now. And one of the best things that we can teach our children is how to control their desires. That maybe instantly satisfying that desire is not best. Maybe it's better to wait. Delayed gratification teaches a child a lot. Sometimes it's best not even to, 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 to acknowledge the desire, but to not even fulfill it, to deny it to take control of it. You know, not every desire, not every want is something that we should get. Not every, every desire is good for us. You know, it's hard. Even though we want what we want, we want it now, it could be that it's better delayed or denied in our life. All right, so where are we getting at? Knowledge is a valuable tool that brings something new to desire. We've got all this passion and desire in us, but what's needed is to give it relationship with knowledge. Knowledge is not just a, some kind of content, some kind of information like you're getting today. Knowledge is about reality, what's really true. It's what you slam into whenever you're wrong. Knowledge helps you deal with something on an appropriate basis of previous thought and experience, and it helps you act in some systematic ways. What I'm not telling you is just to try harder. If you just grunt, you'll get it. I'm inviting you to take those desires and those wants and bring them into conversation with knowledge that deals with things in a progressive sense. It deals with things in a sense of training and preparing yourself for what you truly want. So let's summarize where we're at so far. Desire, it's normal. There's nothing wrong with desire. They're going to be there. They're going to be crazy thoughts and attractions that you have in your mind. Desire, remember, doesn't care at all about what's good for you or what's best for you. And it is not a good master. What we need is to pair up knowledge with desire to let our minds and the previous experience of others inform what we do with our desires. So here's, here's another little exercise, kind of like the anger one. When you think about those wants on your list, think about how regularly and deeply you give yourself to those wants. Is it on a regular basis or not? Think about how regularly and deeply you give yourself towards what's good for you or good for others. 
If we want to relentlessly pursue things, we sure can. And sometimes I think as Christians, we think we want to pursue th- some things, but they're not a part of our lives. We haven't given up the time and attention to it. And we think, well, yeah, I want to be this different person, but we minimize the amount of food we eat, or we minimize the amount that we drink, or we minimize the amount of money that we spent gambling, medications that we use. Whatever it is, whatever our desires are, we minimize those things, and yet those are getting the bulk of our attention. That's what we're focusing in on. Sometimes Christians get frustrated. They kind of kick the can and say, you know, I just am making no progress. No progress whatsoever. And so we'll throw out lines like, well, I've tried that already. It doesn't work. Or it's just too hard. Or I'm not smart enough. I don't have the intellect. I don't don't have the skills. And so we dismiss. And what I would say is, if something that you want, you're not making progress to, do you really want it? Do you really and truly desire it? Because in your life, you will make progress towards those things that you want, even if those are negative and destructive for you. Sometimes I get satisfied with the excuses that I make about my life and let desire take whatever course it will with me. Well, I got to get generic here because whenever we think about getting what we want, there are certain things that, that get said and should be said. We have to think about where we want to be and begin to imagine ourselves there. I mean, if, if we think of this generically and not in a Christian sense, you could read all kinds of authors and writers and speakers that will say, you've got to cultivate the life that you want. Ignore the present circumstances and focus on what you want to do and what you want to be. It's like any kind of shortfall or trouble or obstacle. It needs to be seen as something that's a part of that journey. Not a failure, not knocking you off the course, but one necessary step that you have to take a hard knock that you need to learn on your progress toward what you want. Well, these are things that can be said as as common steps of getting what you want. I want to go back to examples. The example of of getting a car. That, That was something that quickly fell off my list as I thought about what we really wanted and needed and what was most valuable. Whenever you think about your life, I don't know what it is. It could be that you're homeless and you're wanting to get off the street or you're wanting to get a new job. The process is the same of getting a vision, getting a picture of who you want to become and what you want to do. And not allowing what's going on in the present moment to determine what your actions are now. But again, to take action and take steps now that all of these obstacles and these troubles are a part of the journey. I'll share with you what is at the top of my list. And I'm I'm not trying to force this on anyone. I'm just letting you know where mine is, what my vision for life is. My vision for life is life in the kingdom of God. Life inside of the realm of God. The kingdom of God is where What God wants to be done is done. 
And I want my life to be in the middle of the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom knows no boundaries. It knows no... It's everywhere. But here, as God has arranged things, he's made one place in all of our universe where God's will doesn't have to be done. Do you know where that is? It's right here on planet Earth. He's given us space where we can do whatever we want. We can do what we wish. And he's given us that kind of freedom to be able to choose and to decide. And that's a pretty big burden. But I have chosen to surrender my kingdom to be in the rule of God, the realm of God, where what God wants to be done is done. That's why we can pray Jesus' prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am praying for God to have more and more control over my life now than yesterday. That God's will would begin to work in my life. Now, we can do whatever we wish with our bodies, with our lives. It's up to us. And the thing about desire is that it is corrosive. That's what Peter tells us in verse 4. The corrosion that's in the world because of lust, which literally means desire. Whenever we attach ourselves to these masters, they will go away. But if we attach ourselves to the kingdom of God and what God is doing, we will find life that is much more eternal. We need to know the things that we see don't always originate with God. That every desire is not harmless and not neutral. It can be there, it can be present, but it can quite control us in a way that will destroy us if we're not careful. The Apostle John in, in 1 John chapter 2, 15 and 16, talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we know that many of the things that we see and might want in this world hurt us and harm us, that they're passing and they can be destructive. But sometimes it helps to paint again the vision of life with God. Life where God wants what is good for us. There may be parts of us that get lost or left behind. Keys of a car that we don't pick up. But knowledge of God is something that can make our life better. Every one of us. Remember what I said on the front end. I told you that I front-loaded this because I only wanted you to get one thing. Even though we've covered a lot of ground, haven't we? We become what we desire. Our desires will form us and shape us. And that's why it's important to choose carefully who our masters are. Because those masters can either destroy us or give us life forever. I think it's possible to find yourself in God. I don't think God wants to destroy all the fun in life. I don't think God wants to make you into some crystal white blank slate that's boring. God, in verse 4, talks about partnering with you in your life, taking your creative energy, your desires, what you want, and focusing those, channeling those towards the goodness of the kingdom of God, where what God wants to be done is done. We have a lot more to talk about. 
And again, people can take these principles about vision and picturing a future and use them uh, regardless of whether or not they buy into the Christian system. But we're going to look at other ways over the next few weeks of how to take steps toward, in my case, the practice of being good, or in whatever is on your list, helping you make those steps toward what you want. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you've made a world that gives us freedom to choose. And a day like today, I'm just more reminded of what my wants, what my desires do to shape me. Father, I pray your blessing over us over these coming weeks as we think about our desires and we think about our wants. And we think even about the times when we've been frustrated by desire to do what is good. And we ask for every spiritual resource, all tools, that you will show us what it is to, to follow Jesus, to be full of the Spirit, to recognize you as our Creator. God, help us this week to see that we become what we desire. And give us a vision, a vision that transcends those desires, that's connected with knowledge. Thank you, God, for taking us as we are. Incomplete, inconsistent, stumbling our way forward. We ask for more and more grace in our lives. Grace for ourselves, grace for others. Grace to see this world, this beautiful world, as you have made it. We thank you for the life that we can share together through Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.